In honor of it being Domestic Violence Awareness Month, today's episode will have no sponsored ads. I want to give McKinley 100% of the show's time to share her story. One in four women and one in seven men have been victims of physical violence by an intimate partner in their lifetime. I hope that McKinley's story of abuse can empower victims to leave, speak up, and take action against their abusers. If you or someone you know is a victim of domestic violence, call 1-800-799-7233 or text START to 88788. Help is available and you deserve better. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Weekly Trash, the safe place to cleanse your mind, body, and soul of all that trash you consume this week so you can consume some more tomorrow. I'm your host, Josie Van Dyke, and I am honored to be sitting next to the most beautiful, brave human to ever sit in this chair, McKinley Hatch. Welcome to Weekly Trash. Thank you. How are you doing? I'm doing okay. I'm doing okay. Okay, considering... My life. I'm doing okay. Doing okay. Yes. I think every time I ask that question for a guest, it's like, oh, I'm good, you know? And that's the first time I've ever asked and genuinely am like, no, really? Like, how are you? Because you have yeah. been through so much. And just like the last, what, 72 hours? Yeah. Like, everything has just gone crazier and crazier for you week after week after week. Mm-hmm. And you have a story that you deserve to share, and especially in honor of domestic Violence Awareness Month, you you are a survivor. So I want to get down to that. I want to talk about all of that. But I also want to talk about you and kind of set the scene a little bit for people before everything that has happened recently. Okay. So McKinley, yeah. where are you from? So born and raised in Ogden, Utah. So lived here my entire life. And do you have a big family, small family? Um, I am one of four so I'm in the middle. I have an older sister, younger sister, and then a younger brother. And then did you go to college out of state? Did you stay in Utah? Have you ever left Utah? I've never moved out of Utah. I've, I travel a ton, so I'm like, I feel like I'm never here now, but um, always have been in Utah and I did not go to college. I got pregnant in high school, actually. So I like really? barely graduated high school, but. And did you end up marrying your son's dad? Yeah, so I, I got pregnant at 17. Um, like my oldest son was at my high school graduation. And once he was three months old, I ended up marrying his dad. And how long were you guys married before you decided to get divorced? So we were only married for six months. Oh, so it was quick. Yes. Um, was there abuse in that relationship? Yes. There was. Yes. So what's gone on recently isn't the first time you've dealt with this before. Correct. It wasn't to this level, but I have definitely dealt with the court systems, protection orders, all of that before. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So you were 18 then when you got a divorce? Yes. And how did you support your son? What did you do? So from the moment that I like found out that I was pregnant with him, um, me and his dad at the time like his dad, we were not together pretty much my entire pregnancy. So I was like going to school in the morning, high school, so I could get my high school graduation or diploma. Yeah. Diploma. And then, um, 
I would leave from that, go to one job, and then leave from that job and go to a second job. So I was working two jobs the entire time to support him. And even after we got divorced too, still working two jobs just to like barely make by. Yeah. Yeah. So how long until you met your ex-husband? So we, it was very quick. So I got divorced and maybe three months after we went on our first date, I had known him prior to us getting married. He was crazy story. He was actually one of the groomsmen in my first wedding. No way. (laughs) So they were friends. Yes. Okay. Like we didn't talk the entire time I was married. Like I think I'd only met him maybe twice. And once I got divorced, he reached out and was like, Hey, do you need any help with your divorce? I heard you guys are getting divorced. I was like, yeah, actually I need an attorney. Do you know any attorneys? Because we had lived in Utah County at the time. I moved back to Ogden after the divorce. He's like, yeah, I do. Like, let me know if you need any help. And we started like meeting up so he could in Salt Lake, just so he could like get paperwork to my attorney. And then we started dating from there. And you were 18 at this time. Um, I think I had just turned 19. Okay. And how old is he? Was he? He was 33. So there was a 14 year age gap Very between big, us, which yeah. is crazy looking back. What was back. the connection between him and your first husband? Because your first husband would have been younger as well. Yes. So my first husband was six years older than me. So okay. Okay. still a little bit of an age gap, but not as dramatic. Yeah. Um, They just played football together. So that's how okay. they met. Yeah. Gotcha. Um, so... So yeah. that's, so that's how it got started. You uh-huh. ended up getting married. How old yes. were you when you guys ended up getting married? So I was 19. So we only dated for three months and we got engaged and then we were only engaged for three months before we were married. So within six months of us starting dating, we were married. And was it love or did you want a feeling of like security and being married? Like, was it a mix of things? Cause that's really quick to get married. Yes. Especially someone so much older. Mm-hmm. What, what was the reasoning between making it happen so quickly? So I, th- I think it was a mix of it. I feel like growing up in Utah, it's not uncommon to get married so young or so quickly. Facts. And my parents, um, mainly my mom, she is active LDS. So she knew that he was LDS. So I came off from this abusive guy to this what looked like picture perfect guy and he had a house and a stable job and his own company and the stability was obviously something I was very attracted to at the time and I think that was probably one of the main main factors yeah and you have three kids with him correct yes and so how long were you guys married in total so we were married for 10 years wow yeah and you guys got divorced in 2020 um like 20, like we kind of like put the split off date was like January 1st of 2021. Gotcha. So, and what made you want to leave that marriage? So I think probably like five years into the marriage, I realized that we didn't have like a real deep connection. And that took like a lot of like couples counseling for me to even figure out. Cause I like, didn't really understand like why we never really like fought. Like he never rose his voice at me or anything. But it was just like a disconnect there. And it felt like we were more so roommates than being married. And like once we went to counseling, we realized that like we need to be more vulnerable with each other, more intimate, not like sexually, but just like just talking. Yeah. Yeah, talking. And we just really never had that relationship. And so once I figured that out, like I tried and tried and tried, it would just honestly kind of like pushed us more away from each other He became very distant, was always working. So I felt like, I mean, I have my own business, so I also work. So I was, felt like I was doing everything for the kids, paying half the bills, 
and he was just not doing anything. And I'm like, why am I married and like giving up my happiness just to like be roommates with somebody? Like I can do this on my own. Right. And so taking that plunge and being like, I'm done. Was that so hard or did it feel like this is my time? Like, were you liberated doing it or was it depressing? So I think because it took me five years to finally actually leave, by the time I did leave, I felt like a sense of freedom and independence. And I was just so proud of myself because I felt like so many women stay in marriages where they're not happy just for financial reasons or whatever it is. And so I remember like walking into my very first, like my own house for the first time. And it was like, the best feeling, just knowing that I was doing it. I could provide for my own yeah. kids. When we did get a divorce, I did not get child support or alimony. My attorney was like, don't tell anyone that I'm your attorney because you're stupid for walking away from the money. But I was just like, I want to show everyone I can do it. I'm going wow. to do it on my own. That is amazing. Yeah, it was It was you, wild. wild. You're little. a badass. Oh, thanks. Before we talk about the current situation. Mm-hmm. You said you've had the the first boyfriend, husband who mm-hmm. was abusive. Uh-huh. Where, or I guess I should say, why do you think you let yourself get into that relationship in the first place? Because you are so beautiful. You're so smart. You're so driven. An outsider looking in is like, how could she ever let a man treat her that way? What, what a first was the first thing that was like, you know what? I love him. It's fine. Like, did you just think I'll, he'll change? So with my first husband, I got pregnant fairly early on. So that was probably the biggest factor is especially again, being in Utah, it's like you need to get married if you have a kid together. Abortion wasn't an option. Um, I did look into adoption, but I was like, no, again, I can do it. I got this crazy independence about me for some reason. And so at first I was like, no, I'm going to do it. I'm going to be a single mom. And then obviously like right after I had him, it was so hard. Like I'm trying to work and I'm learning how to nurse while I'm like still in high school. Like it was just, I can't imagine. Yeah. It was just like a lot going on. So I'm like, okay, getting married is kind of like, it's, it's his child. Let's see if we can make it work. And the abuse didn't start until probably like three months into us being married. Really? Mm -hmm. And was that your first ever experience with abuse? Yes. And what did you tell anybody? I didn't tell anyone until I made the phone call to my mom and I was like, I'm, I think I'm going to leave. And she was like, okay, do you want me to come down there? Like, didn't really ask any questions. Do you want me to come down there and help you get your stuff? And I was like, yes. And then she was like, what's going on? And I told her and she was like, we kind of figured that that was what was happening. So let's, let's go back to now where we are today. Okay. You, you meet your Mm ex-boyfriend. How soon after your divorce did you meet him? So we've been divorced for a little over three years now. With the ex-boyfriend that you've had recently, mm-hmm. when, where did you meet him? When did you meet him? So he messaged me for the first time back in November. Okay. So it's almost been a year and just messaged me on Instagram. And he didn't live in Utah and you left, lived in Utah at the time. Yeah. So I had just gone on a girl's trip to Nashville, Tennessee, which is where he lives and posted a picture. So once I posted the picture, he messaged me and was like, hey, I want to take you out. And I was like, haha, what city? And he was like, wait, I thought you lived in Nashville. And I was like, no, I'm in Utah. So from there, we like exchanged phone numbers, kind of talked here and there, but we didn't like full on like talk about like me flying out there or anything yet. It was kind of just like small talk back and forth here and there. 
Were there any red flags initially that something was off with him? Initially, no. We like it was it was yeah, it was just like pretty chill at first. It wasn't until January that I flew to Miami and I was actually there with someone that I was kind of dating. And he happened to be in Miami at the same time. So he messaged me again. He's like, okay, like we're both in the same city finally. Like, let's go on this date. And I was like, haha, sorry, can't. I'm with somebody. with somebody right now. So we didn't meet up in Miami. But right when I got home, he was like, let's FaceTime. I really want to meet you. So our first like initial time that we FaceTimed, we talked on the phone for like four hours and like really hit it off. And then from there, it was just like nonstop every day. We were FaceTiming for like hours at a time. And how soon did you become official like boyfriend girlfriend so we talked so that was like end of January I didn't end up flying out there until April um so I have my kids 50 50 custody and um so it was when they had spring break they were going with their dad for spring break so I was like okay I can come out there for 10 days in April if you want me to so I flew out there and maybe like three days into me being out there he wanted to make it official and when you were out there, did you notice any signs? No. The first trip, it was like... Honeymoon phase? Yes. It was like taking me to country concerts and nice dinners and just like cooking me every meal. It was like it was like the best. I was like, I get to come out to Nashville every other week now yeah. and just like live this fun life. How soon did you introduce him to family and friends? So he never met any of my family. He did meet my kids. Um, he flew out the next month to meet them. And just because I was in a long distance relationship with them, it's really hard because I can only fly out there every other week. Yeah. So I'm like, it's, it sucks to introduce them so early. But at this point in time, I'd been talking to him from, since January, felt like I knew him, been out there twice. So I'm like, okay, you can fly here, meet the kids. So he did that for like two or three days. And then my friends, we went on a trip out to stagecoach. So he met like all of my close friends out then. And what did everyone else think about him? So I feel like my friends are super supportive for the most part. So if I'm dating someone, they're not going to be like, we hate this guy, yeah. da, da, da. I do have one friend that's like, she was like, I sometimes when you talk to him on the phone, like, I don't know if I like, like the tone in which he talks to you, like something kind of like seems off about yeah. that. And then I would tell them stories about like him and I, and they were like, he seems like a little bit jealous and controlling and insecure. And so like, those were just like little things, but they were not out like outright being like we hate this guy right and what about your kids my kids loved him they really they adored him he was really really good with kids he has nieces and like I facetimed him with his nieces all the time and Mike like he was playing video games with my oldest all day and then he'd ride scooters with the boys at night he'd make us dinner when he came over help me clean my house help me read books with them at night like just doing like my kids loved him he was so good with them so it was like that part was also like interesting. So yeah, he sounds like he was pretty picture perfect in the beginning. Yes. When did things change? So I think the first red flag with him was when I went to go to stagecoach. So okay. we had with just, your friends. yes. So we had just like made it official. I flew back to Utah the next week to be with my kids. And I was like, oh, I'm so excited. I get to go to stagecoach next week. And like, if you know me, I love country concerts. Like I love country music. And I love stagecoach. So I was yeah. so excited. It was going to be this girl's trip. We'd already bought and paid for everything. Hotels were booked. And he was like, what do you mean? Like, you're not going to stagecoach. And I was like, why wouldn't I go to stagecoach? Like, I love, this is like yeah. where I thrive. I love this. And he was like, no, like we're in a relationship now. Like you can't go on girl's trips anymore. And I was like, what are you talking about? Like, I could see if like we had 
been together for a minute and we had talked about it and he didn't feel comfortable with me going or whatever. But I'm like, this was a trip that was already planned. I I'm going on the trip. And he was but like, even when you're sorry to interrupt, yeah. but even when you were married, wouldn't you have gone on girls? Trips? Oh, a hundred percent. That's just something that no man should ever have yes. control of. Oh, I think so too. And I'm, I a hundred percent agree with that, but I'm like, okay, if there was something you were uncomfortable with, I can see us like talking through it, but this is something that was already planned. We're still in such yeah. a new phase of the relationship. Like I'm going on the trip. And he was like, no, it's the trip or me. Like we're going to break up. And so I was like, okay, well, I guess I'm done. So we ended up breaking up that weekend. We didn't talk for like three days. Um, then the following Monday, I called him just to like see if he had changed his mind about anything. And we finally like decided that he was going to come with me on the trip. So that's how it became a friend trip. Yes. Well, it was like eight girls. But oh, yeah. so he was the only boy. He was the only guy there. Okay, when you said friendship, <laughs> I was assuming it was like their boyfriends too. No, so he was the only guy that came with all these girls. So I ended up having to find someone to take like my spot in the hotel that they were with. And then him and I got a hotel. But like, so it was definitely like a different trip than it would have been. Yeah, and that is a huge red flag. Yes, huge. And your friends were probably like, what the fuck? Yes, my friends were not okay. That was when they were like, okay, he's controlling. This is weird. He's very insecure. I don't know about it. And then at Stagecoach was when they were like, I think he has a drinking problem too because he was completely gone, slurring his words the whole time. Honestly, kind of embarrassing for me just because I'm introducing him to my friends for the yeah. first time and he can't even like put together a sentence half the time. Was he ever emotionally or physically abusive on that trip? No. No, just nope. completely wasted. Yes. So you get back from the trip. He goes to Nashville. You come back to Utah what are your thoughts about him? Are you like, do I break up with this wasted drinking guy? Or was it just because we got stagecoach and he was partying? Like that's kind of, I kind of gave him the benefit of the doubt. I'm like, okay, it was like a festival. It was fun. Sure. You can let loose. I, if I do drink, I don't ever take it to the level where I don't know what's going on or I don't yeah. know how to like talk, but I try to like give him the benefit of the doubt. Again, like we, I invested a lot of time into him already, really liked him as a person. Yeah. So I'm like, okay, maybe that was just like a one-time thing. Did you love him at this point? I, I think so. Looking back, I think I was love bombed into loving him. But yes, at that time I did think so. So he was telling you he loved you. Yes. All the time. Yes. Okay. How soon did he start being emotionally or verbally abusive? Um, or was he ever? Did it just go straight to physical? He wasn't ever super verbally abusive in the beginning. He was, again, just like straight love bombing the whole time. We, he told me everything I wanted to hear. Very manipulating. Yes. And it wasn't like he kind of would like, he kind of slowly eased into it where he would be like, like I would have big business decisions where I didn't know what to do. And he would be like, well, like, yeah, you've done good so far, but like. I don't know, maybe it's too much for you to handle or like just like slow little ones, Taking little your jabs. confidence away. Yes, little Trying jabs Trying to make you first. small. Yes. And to me, I'm just like, okay, he's kind of intimidated by me or my business or whatever. It's fine. Like we can work through it. I didn't really see it as any type of verbal abuse at the time. Gotcha. So then when was he physical? So um, the first time he was physical – and I have to be semi-careful talking about it because this one is still an open case. Um, I can go into more details about the cases that are closed right now, but there's technically three open cases right now with him. So um, the first time it happened, 
the day before Mother's Day, um, he flew out there because he wanted to like make me breakfast and do the whole thing for so Mother's Day. He came Day. to Utah. He came to Utah. Um, you obviously had your kids because it was Mother's Day. So it was during like the way that the schedule works. It was they were with their dad that week. Okay. But I do get him on the kids on Mother's Day. So they were going to come the next morning at like 9 a.m. Gotcha. I did have my oldest though that night. Right. So the day before my oldest was there. We were playing video games. We went to Top Golf. He made us dinner. We barbecued, and then my oldest went to bed. And um, we he started drinking, and he was drinking a lot. And so I feel like when he's drinking, his insecurities really, really come out. So he was like, "Hey, can I go through your phone?" Which I have nothing to hide. I'm like, "Sure." Being a influencer I get a lot of dms and I think that can get to his head yeah so he's scrolling through my dms obviously I'm not responding to him but like when there's an nfl player in your dms they're like yeah it gets to their head well you're a beautiful woman like obviously men are gonna message you yeah yeah and like at this point in time I don't even think I had posted him yeah on my I think Instagram you're single yet. yeah so and I'm not responding to anyone or I would respond to like an old neighbor that had messaged me that's like married with like five kids and they would be like, haha, like respond to a story. I messaged back and he's like, why are you messaging another guy? And I'm like, this is like an old friend that like I'm friends with his wife. I'm, our kids are friends. Like this is nothing. Like I don't want you messaging any other guys or like he would read my text and like I have a mentor and an investor that is a male and he's like, I don't want you talking to him anymore. And I'm like, this is business. Like there's never been anything inappropriate happening. Yeah. But it just like got to his head. He started getting mad at me about my phone. So I'm like, okay, you've been drinking a lot. Like, let me have my phone. And I'm trying to like decide if I like go into all the details right now. But um, I went to just go grab my phone from him. And he like straight armed me back. I was on the bed. He was on the bed. And I like flew back and hit the headboard. And like I was like taken back. Because like he had never been physical at all yeah. with me. And I was like, what just happened? Like yeah. that, that was really weird. Did it give you flashbacks of your first marriage? A little bit, but I think everything just happened so fast yeah. at the time that I was just like, what just happened? Yeah. So I'm like, okay, that was not okay. Give me back my phone right now. So I go to reach for it again, and he, like, put me in, like, some leg move and flipped me off the bed, and my phone had flown off. So then he got on top of me and started – and I say choking, but when I talk to the cops, they're like, no, it's strangling. Like, you need – that he strangled you. Like, you need to know that that was not okay. So he did that, and that's when I was, like, trying to fight back. At that point in time, I thought I was, like, strong enough to, like, get him off. I'm fighting him back. His elbow, like, hit me on the process. I don't think he, like, purposely elbowed me, but, like, in the process of me getting out, elbowed me, and I had a black eye. And he happened to have called someone on my phone because he was, like, freaking out through my phone. So he had called someone and was like, why are you talking to McKinley? Leave her alone. This is just, like, a friend that was, like, lived in another state. It wasn't anything helping me with business stuff and they were still on the phone. So they heard it happen. So he's actually the one that called the police and sent them to my house. Wow. So the cops called my phone from like an unknown number. I know when I get an unknown number call, that's from the cops. So I answered it and they're like, Hey, we just got a call that you aren't okay. Are you? And I'm like bawling at this point. And I was like, no, I'm not. And he was like, and they were like, have you been hurt? And I was like, yes. And I hang up the call and they were there within like two minutes. I lived really close to the police station and the ex was like freaking out at this point in time. And he was like, no, tell him nothing happened. Like you can't say anything. 
And I was like, no, I'm, I'm going to tell him what happened because it did happen and it wasn't okay. Yeah. And so he was like, so they knocked on the door and he's like, please don't do it. Don't answer, please. And I like started walking towards the door and he ran out the back door. So that night he did not get arrested because they never found him. He ran out and I spent the next like three hours talking with the police. They were like surrounding my house the entire next day. Um, so he ended up getting charged that night with um, aggravated assault, aggravated assault in the presence of a child and domestic violence. My oldest was upstairs asleep the entire time. So luckily he didn't wake up at all. Like the police had to search my house. He had no, woke up the next morning and was like, Hey, why isn't he here still? Yeah. Like what happened? And I was like, Oh, he had to fly back. Like, so he had no idea that it happened, but he was there when it happened. And because he was there, they have to file it right, that way. Right. Well, yeah. thank goodness he slept through all of that. Yeah. That and would be even, so traumatic. Yeah. Just like reading the documents back when they like filed it in courts, like I was just bawling because I'm like, I, something could have happened. Maybe. Yeah. And it just like, I love my kids so much and I would never want to like put them in a position that like that anything could ever happen to them. So it just like, it broke me like reading that in there. Like I like feel like I'm pretty tough. I'm like, okay, I can handle the things that happened to me, but like I would be devastated if anything ever happened to them. I think every mother feels that way. Yeah. So at that point, are you, are you done with him? Was yeah. So that like happened and I was like, I'm done with him. The kids came over the next morning. I put makeup on. They had no, like at this point in time, no one had any idea besides the person who called. Okay. 911. And so I just went on, like nothing was wrong. Um, and because it like happened so late at night, technically it did happen on Mother's Day. But like by the time the cops left, it was like five o'clock in the morning and they're like, okay, like you need to talk to a, um, an advocate and we need to get a protection order filed, all these things. And they're like, but it's so late at night. You obviously haven't slept. You have been drinking too. So like, let's file it the next day. And I was like, hey, tomorrow's Mother's Day. Let's do it Monday. And then by Monday, he had reached out to me, um, apologized for everything. I'm so sorry. It was just because we were drinking. And he almost kind of like, you almost feel like it's your fault. And he's like, oh, well, if, if you wouldn't have been messaging people on your phone, if you wouldn't have, which like the messages are insane that it's like, that's the reason you even got mad. But like, if you wouldn't have done this, I wouldn't have done this. If we yeah, wouldn't have been drinking this would have never happened. You know me, please let me make it up to you. And I was like still very hesitant to even like get back together with him. But I think after like a week of him just like constantly like sending me flowers and doing all these things afterwards. And at this point in time too, it was like my business, I wasn't focusing very much on my business and my entire business is social media. So if I'm not posting, I'm not bringing in income. So he's like, I can pay your rent this month. I can pay your car. I can. So financially, he started supporting me and the kids. So that was also like a very hard thing because I'm like, okay, now. He has control. Yes, yes. And so it was just, I went back and forth on if I should get back together with him, but ultimately decided, okay, I don't want you around the kids anymore, but I will fly out there to see you. Yeah. Well, and also he's being very manipulative. Yes. He's making you think that it was kind of your fault yeah. and he's so sorry. And at this point you think, okay, I believe him. Yes. I believe him. He's sorry. It was my fault. I shouldn't have been doing that. Yeah. 
which is just so crazy that yeah. he can twist things to make it mm-hmm. in his favor almost. Yeah. And he signed up with a therapist. He told me he wasn't going to drink anymore, like made all these different promises to me. He wanted to make it up to me. He wanted to prove to me that that's not who he really was. So you guys get back together. Uh-huh. And then this was kind of the incident that kind of went all over the internet mm-hmm. that I first heard about. Yeah. Um, and it was when the cops came and he had you hide. Yes. And this, I'm assuming this was the last time until you guys actually broke up, broke up. Mm-hmm. Um, can you walk us through what happened that day? Yes. So I had maybe flown out there two other times before this happened in July. Um, both those times that I flew out there, again, picture perfect, took me to CMA Fest. Like we did all these fun things. Like it was good at that point. It was point. back yes. to what back to what it relationship was. was. And I feel like he started gaining more control over because then I was out there more and again, not posting now. I basically became like mom mode for a week when I had my kids and I would go out there and I was like this little stay at home girlfriend. And, and just you, like you guys were posting together at this point, right? Yes, we had posted video TikToks and all so that. So when you were posting point. those lovey-dovey videos, that was real because in those moments he was being lovey-dovey. Yes. And, and no one at this point in time really knew about anything else that had happened. And I think regardless on social media, me, everyone tries to like put up yeah. this picture perfect life, yeah. right? And growing up in like the blogging world, that was like what you posted, like just the picture perfect highlights. Obviously, I'm kind of trying to be a little more vulnerable now, but that was just That's what I was posting. Was. Yeah. So you're in Nashville. Did it uh-huh. happen in Nashville? Yes. Okay. So um, it was on like Amazon Prime Day. So I was actually like working that day and he would get bugged if I like spent all day working on my computer. So he was in medical sales. He would have to work for like two hours a day and then he was done with his job. So he was like, okay, are you done yet? Are you done yet? I'm like, no. And then the next day was my little boy's birthday. So I'm like, okay, after I was done working, I was like, I'm going to make a cute little video for him to post on social media. And that took like an hour. So he was just like getting so bugged that I was just on my phone and on my computer all day. So he starts drinking again. And this night, like, thank God I was completely sober. I didn't drink. I would been working all day. And so he was drinking by the time I was done with everything. He was like very drunk and he was like, let me see your phone. Like, what have you been doing on your phone all day? And I'm like, I've literally been working, but like, sure, you can go through my phone. And what made you give him your phone? I, he was very controlling with my phone. He would probably look through my phone multiple times a day through photos, Instagram, TikTok, messages. Like he and I, like I had really nothing to hide. I didn't feel comfortable with him reading like all of my personal conversations with my friends. But yeah. he he read everything, like and that everything was, that went on. on my that phone. was never something in your head where you're like, I should break up with you. I knew it was a red flag, it? but I like it was almost like me trying to gain trust with him. Like he because again, it was yes. your fault. To yes, him. he made it feel like it was your fault. So this yeah. is you showing that you're cooperating. Yes. And did you ever look at his phone? Um, I would every once in a while, but like he, he didn't really have that many friends. So it's like, like wonder why. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Seriously. So like, I, I'm not going to read his conversations with his family. And so like, I, there was really never anything to like yeah. look at on his phone. I would look at it, but like, it wasn't really, anything. there wasn't any NFL players yeah, yeah. trying to hook up. <laughs> right. with him. So like it was, I mean, we were both open with our phones. We knew the passwords, all of that. And then like location, like he had my location. He knew where I was at all Very points in time. Yes. So he's so, drunk. He wants to see your phone. Yes. Wants to see my phone. And I'm like, okay, like big trigger for me right at that point. Cause I'm like, okay, last time you drank this much and you went through my phone, like that situation happened. Yes. I'm like, we, 
I, I don't really want you to, but like, if you feel the need to go through it, here's my phone. So he starts looking through it, starts getting upset, gets in his own head. And he's like, pack all your shit. And I was like, okay, at this point in time, I had flown out there so many times and brought like four big check bags with me of clothes, makeup, hair stuff, because like the plan was for me to just fly back and forth every other week. And I didn't want to keep bringing stuff. So I had like, he had like a his and hers closet. All my stuff was hanging up. We went and got like storage bins for it. Like, so I was like, kind of living together. Yes. So I'm like, okay, like if, if you want me to, like, I'm not going to argue that. So I went through, packed up all four bags, all four bags of mine were packed and he starts getting mad again. And he's like, okay. Like, cause he can tell that I'm like being serious. Like, yeah. You're like, I'm okay. Leaving. If you want me to leave, I'll leave. Mm-hmm. So all my bags are packed and I'm like sitting on the floor and he starts getting mad and he grabs all four bags and just starts like chucking them around the room and unzipping them all and just throwing my stuff like everywhere. So I start crying. I'm like, what are you doing? What's going on? And I'm like sitting on the floor, like with my feet up and he comes up from behind me and starts like hitting me across the back of the head and just with his fist yes and so I feel like I tried to like justify what had happened the first time it's like we were wrestling over my phone like I was like kind of like fighting back in a way because I was trying to get it and like somehow justified that it was my fault in my head where this one I'm like I did not do anything wrong and you just literally hit me yeah over the back of the head closed fist hit me so I'm like that was not okay and at this point in time he still has my phone and like after he hit me I just got up and started running and I ran out the front door and I made it to like the sidewalk before he caught up to me, grabbed me. He's like, I'm sorry. Can we just talk? Can we talk about it? Can we talk about it? And I was like, I'm not going back inside that house with you. I will sit on the porch with you and we can talk about it here, but I'm not going back inside that house with you. So then he was like, okay. Um, he's like, let's sit on the porch. So I go sit down. And when I sit down, he started hitting me over the back of the head again. And so then that point in time, I just started screaming, like, help me, help me, please, someone help me, please, someone help me. This is at his home in Nashville. Yes. Are there homes around him? Yes. Okay. But I mean, like, there's like an older couple next door and then a couple next door with like kids. So like, I don't know who's awake. And then there's like a church across the street. So this was late at night. Yes. It was like fairly late at night. So I grab onto the railing because he's trying to pull me back inside. My hand slipped from the railing and I like fall to the cement and he like drags me across the cement into the house. And I'm like, okay, I'm in the house. Like, he's going to stop hitting me. So he comes in, starts hitting me again. And, the, like, this point, I'm like, this something is, like, seriously wrong. Like, you, like, can't hit another human like that. Like, that's not okay. And I'm like, I, I can't fight back. And I can't run at this point. And I don't have my phone. So I just started being like, I'm so sorry. Like, please forgive me. I want to be with you. I love you trying to get him to calm down he goes to like the refrigerator and grabs like Reese's cups and starts like throwing them at me like I had like huge welts on my arms from like these frozen Reese's cups and um again I'm just like please like I'm so sorry I'll do whatever you need yeah, you're in survival yes mode. yes so he calms down he's like okay like let's just go upstairs and talk we go upstairs to his room to talk and we're sitting on the bed he calms down and my phone had died so my phone was charging on the nightstand he goes to the bathroom and I was like here's my chance to run again so I grab my phone and I run outside luckily I made it all the way outside ran down the street turned the corner and started hiding behind a truck called 911 and I was like I've been hit and I'm like hysterical at this point just, well, I'm sure you look beat up yes and I'm just crying well for the most part he had just hit me over the back of the head so there wasn't like I mean, there was on my arms. I had definitely yeah. the bruises from the Reese's on my arms, but 
I'm just like, I'm just bawling. And I'm talking to the 911 operator and I'm like, here's the address. I've been hit. I'm really scared. Please come, please come. And they were like, okay, the address you gave us, we need to know if it's north or south. And I was like, I don't know. Can you like ping my phone? Like, I don't know what it is. And they're like, well, you're outside. Can you just like look at the street sign? And I'm like, I have to get out from hiding behind this truck to go see the street sign. They're like, we want you to be safe, but like, we don't know where you are. So I was like, okay, I'm going to walk towards the street sign. I'm still on the phone. So I'm going to walk up. I was like, okay, it's, here's the address. And I looked down towards his house and he's standing outside. And I was like, he sees me. He sees me. What do I do? And like 911 can't even like respond back to me as fast as it's happening. So I just, I was like, I'm going to run. I'm going to run. I don't know what to do. So I start running. I'm still on the phone with him. He's chasing me, catches up to me, grabs my phone, hangs up the call. And so again, like I'm bawling. Like, why did you call them? I can't believe you did that. And I'm like, they're on their way. Like, they're, I called them five minutes ago. They're probably almost here. So he grabs me, pulls me, and hides me in the bushes with him. And so we're just sitting out there. We're far enough from his house that I can't see if the police are there yet or not. And so, again, I'm just, like, trying to think of, like, what to do next. When you're in the bushes with him, are you playing along still with, like, the I'm sorry, I'm sorry? Or No, I was back? just like, you shouldn't have done that. I wouldn't have called if you didn't do that. Like, that wasn't okay. And I was like, so my next thing, I was like, let's, let's call your dad and ask him what I should do right now. Like, because his dad knew about what his whole family knew what had happened on Mother's Day. Oh, they did. They did. I made him tell him as like part of us getting back together. I was like, they need to know that you need help. So I was like, let's call him and tell him. So his dad answers. He's on speakerphone. And I was like, he kind of told his side of the story. And I grabbed the phone. I was like, no, he literally hit me again. And I called the police and now we're hiding in the bushes. And his dad was like, okay, well, let's calm down. Like, can someone like explain what just happened? And I'm like, no, like your, your response should be let Let her go, go. let her go. You're hiding her in bushes after you just beat her. Let her go. And you need to go talk to the police as well. Like you need to be arrested. Like, I don't feel like there's any other answer that you should have given your son. That's what I would have told my son. And you need to be held accountable for it. And the fact that wasn't his first, like, thought I was like this was the wrong call to make so I had his phone at the time because he had mine and I just started running again ran made it to like the fence grabbed me pulled me back went to like this back alley and we waited back there until the police left his house so then once the police left and they would like come and go they would come like bang on the door for like 10 minutes and then they would leave so we snuck in once they left through the back door he put me up in the bedroom and then like grabbed a pillow and started hitting me with a pillow I think he did that because he didn't want to cause any more bruises if for some reason I were to have to talk to the police. So we go in his room. He shuts the door. He's like, no, we're staying here. We're hiding out. They don't have a warrant. There's no way they can come in. And you can, like, see their flashlights, like, shining through the windows, like, trying to get us to answer. They're banging on the door. And, like, at this point in time, like, we're on the second level of his house. I'm like, I don't even think I could make it downstairs before. I couldn't make it outside before he would catch me. So I'm just sitting on the bed. We were talking. I'm like, it's it's not okay, but we can figure it out. Like, And are you saying that genuinely or are you no, saying that to make him happy? Just to make him calm so down so that I can get – Yeah, I don't want him to do anything because I'm scared. He's drank so much at this point, and I'm just, like, trying to keep him calm. So the police finally leave for, like, at least 30 minutes, and he was like, okay. Like, I think they're gone for good now, and he's like – you because the whole night before that he was like you shouldn't drink you can't drink which is fine I was like fine I was working all day so he's like let's go downstairs and make a drink so I was like okay perfect we're at least getting out of this room getting closer to the door so we go down we, I sit on the couch he makes these drinks in like these mason jars he hands me one and he hand and he has one 
And I was like, oh, wait, I didn't tell my daughter goodnight. Can I call her and tell her goodnight? And he was like, yeah, that's fine. So I call her and I was like, hey, what are you doing? I'm bawling again at this point. And she's like, are you okay? And I was like, yeah, like, what are you doing? Like, and she was like, oh, I'm just sitting here with dad. And I was like, can I talk to your dad? And me and my ex-husband don't really ever talk on the phone, just talk. Like if there's like something to do with kids, sure. But like, we don't just like, it was very rare for me to be like, hi, can I talk to your dad? Yeah. So he gets on the phone and he was like, hi. And I was like, hi, bawling. And he's like, are you okay? And I was like, yes. And he was like, it doesn't sound like you're okay. And I was like, I just wanted to let you know that my daughter has my location on her phone. I got my phone and hung it up. So how, where were you when you were having this conversation and where he was standing right in front of me. Bleep out his name. Oh yeah. So we were sitting on the couch. He was standing right in front of me. So he just grabbed the phone and he was like, why would you do that? And then he grabs his glass jar and that's when he threw it at me. And like, I like ducked, put my legs up to duck, hit me, started bleeding everywhere, cut me, cut through my leggings. So now I'm bleeding everywhere and he knows that my ex-husband is going to call and now report it for the second time. So he's like, we got to go upstairs and change. So we go upstairs. I change clothes. He puts like a bandaid on it. Again, the police start banging on the door again. So I'm like, okay, they're here. Like, I'm like, they're not going to leave this time. Like, we're going to have to go out there and talk to him. He's like, no, we don't. We don't have to say anything. We can just stay in here the whole time. So we were up there again for probably like another hour, just like sitting on his bed. Did any part of you just want to scream and see if that would if that would get the police's attention? Uh, like they knew scared? I was in there, but I knew that they I didn't know if they could just like break down the door without a warrant. You know what I mean? So I'm like, there's been two calls. Hopefully that's enough to like. And then I later found out too, one of the neighbors did hear me screaming and called. So there was three nine one one calls that had been made about this. So I'm like just praying that for some reason, even when they do leave, like they're still close enough. So. I'm sitting on the bed. We were probably up there for like another hour just talking. He's just freaking out, like pacing the house, like going from window to window, looking out, seeing where the cops are. There was like another opportunity when he went into his closet to look out the window. And I was like, this is my last chance to run. So I ran again. Luckily, he tripped over one of the suitcases of mine that he's thrown. And so it stalled him long enough for me to get out of the house. I got out of the house and I just like started running the opposite way down the street. And I was like, there's a stoplight maybe like someone's there. So I ran up to the stoplight. There's a car there. There's a girl in the car. And I was like, yes, it's a girl. She's going to let me in. So I start banging on her windows. I was like, please let me in. Please let me in. Please let me in. And she's freaking out. And I like, don't blame her for not letting me in, especially she sees someone's chasing me. She's freaking out. I realize that she's not going to let me in this car. So I'm like, I got to keep running. So I like start running again. He catches up to me, grabs me by the waist. And the second he like grabbed me was when the police lights flickered on and they were there and that's when he got taken into custody. This sounds like a true horror movie. Yeah. Like looking back and now I feel like I've gone over like that story so much in my head that like I can tell it, but it's still like so surreal to me that it happened. No, it's, it's absolutely horrible because women go through this and we think it's, Oh, it's that doesn't happen in real life. That's just a crazy story or a book or a movie, but this is real. Like this happened to you this summer. Yeah. So he then goes to jail. Yeah. So he got arrested for um, false imprisonment, interference with a 911 call, um, domestic violence with a deadly weapon or assault with a deadly weapon, and then public intoxication because he was so drunk. So you come back to Utah. Mm -hmm. And at this point, I'm assuming you are done. You're not going back. You're over him. Yeah. I mean, obviously you're not over him. That's a lot to process, but 
you're not together. Yeah. He got arrested. I mean, he bailed out within a couple hours, but he was arrested. I went back home. And at this point in time too, which was like one of like the crazy hard parts of it is I was moving houses at this point in time. So I couldn't get into my new house until August 1st and it was like July 12th. So I didn't, I was basically homeless right now. All my stuff, he had helped me move it all. He hired the movers, helped me put everything in storage, all my stuff's in storage. So I didn't really even have anywhere to go at the time. So I flew back to Utah, ended up staying at my sister's house for like those two weeks and then up at my parents' house too. So does your family know what's going on? Yeah. Okay. So that happened. Obviously, my ex-husband knew. Um, he reached out to, I think, my mom, my dad, and my sister Because he did end up calling the police. That's why the police ended up going. Yes. Yes. And so, well, there was three different nine right, right. But so they all knew about it. And then I think everything ended. I checked into a hotel that night, maybe at like 5 a.m. And woke up at like 8 a.m. to take my dog for a walk just to like get air because I like couldn't even sleep. And... I had a friend text me and they're like, are you okay? And I was like, yeah, why? Like, and this was not someone that was a close friend. And so I'm like, why are they randomly texting me asking this? And they're like, I just read about what happened. And then that's when I went to the internet and it was posted everywhere. Like the article had written, my DMs were flooded. It was so many comments. It was just so much. I'm already like trying to process, like even figure out if what just happened happened. And now yeah. it's posted everywhere online. And at this point he's just home in nashville is he trying to contact you he was he was on a 12 hour about his name again sorry <laughs> um so he was on a 12 hour hold for a minute so um so the next morning when i woke up he was still in jail he, like with domestic violence they give you like a 12 hour hold so he was still in jail at that time he had no idea his instagram was he was just getting slammed with comments about it because they had tagged the article tagged me and him in it. So like, I have no idea what his DMs look like. Probably insane. I hope he was getting death threats. Oh, I'm sure he was getting all of it. He deserves it. Yeah. So he, so he, he had no idea what was happening at that point in time, but my family did. So then there was a case where you went back to Nashville mm -hmm. to testify Mm-hmm. But it wasn't for you. It was for other women that were doing charges against him? No, it was for me. It that was, was for, for you? So it's kind of weird because the Utah cases, like that one is still open right now. That one's like gotten continued, continued. Nashville, they, it, it was handled very differently. So we, um, I just got a voicemail that was like, you're summoned to come to court to testify. And I was like, this is weird. It, they shouldn't be taking it to trial so soon. Like, that's interesting that they're doing it yeah. this way. And I didn't hear from anyone. Finally, like the day before I was supposed to fly out there, I contacted one of my friends who's an attorney, a defense attorney. And I was like, hey, like, can you look up this hearing? I don't understand, like, yeah. why they're making me fly out there for this. Like, it should be like, usually there's a first several hearings before you have to go to trial. Like, I've been through the domestic yeah. violence process. So I'm like, okay. It's weird that they're already taking it to trial at this point in time. But that's what, like, every court document said that it was trial. So he's, like, he looked it up. and He's, like, yeah, this is so weird. He was trying to investigate it. Like, we couldn't figure out why it was already getting taken to trial and why I was having to testify so soon. And that no one had reached out to me to be, like, oh, hi, here's the questions that they're going to ask. Here's whatever it is to prep for the trial. So I was, like, packed, literally packed, getting ready to go. Finally, they called me, and they're, like, I'm the defense attorney. Um... 
yes, we're taking it to trial tomorrow. And I'm like, why is it so soon? And they're like, I don't, like, this is just the way we're doing it. So I'm like, okay. So I flew out to Nashville, Nashville thinking that it was a trial that I was going to have to testify against him for what had happened just recently in Nashville. So I get out there. Um, luckily, my attorney flew out there with me. So he was there. And we sat in this like back room. I didn't have to at the courthouse or anything he was in the courtroom and they had me like in this back like room for had victims. you spoken to him at all since the last he had reached out to me a couple times and after it had happened in nashville he flew home to wisconsin and got checked into a program like this six-week program um he had lost his job over over the situation that happened so he was just like fully committed to getting better going to therapy went to this program stopped drinking is what I was getting from it. Like he was so sorry again, same thing. Sorry, all these things. Um, but I was like, no, I'm still going to hold you accountable for this. Like it wasn't okay. So once the defense attorney came in, I realized she came in and she was like, sorry, I'm like so new at this. Like I'm trying to figure out like what I'm doing basically. So luckily I had my attorney there because the way that she set it up was not like, it wasn't correct. It wasn't a trial that day. And I wasn't going to have to speak or anything. I didn't have to testify. But um, my attorney was like, okay, so like what? You usually offer a plea deal before you take it all the way to trial. So he's like, okay, like what plea deal are you guys offering him? And she's like, oh, I didn't even think about that. Like, yeah, like let's, let we can offer him a plea. So my attorney helped me because he was like, you you don't want to keep flying back out here. It's You're going to have to fly back out here basically every every month to go do this. You already charged him in Utah. Let him take a plea deal here. And then in Utah, go full force because you can go to those court hearings so much easier. So I did what he told me and we offered him a plea deal. He got him taken down to misdemeanors and got put on probation and had to take domestic violence classes. Gotcha. Yeah. So where's all the rumors coming from about other women that he has court cases with? Do you know anything about that? Yes. So the Utah defense attorney is actually the one that told me about them when I met with him right after it happened here in Utah. And there was a case. He was like, I want you to know this. Like there was a case that happened very similar to yours, like 10 years ago. He's like, I try to give people the benefit of doubt that like it can get better. But the same thing, false imprisonment, domestic violence. And he got charged for those things. Really? And then I found out later on that he also has another restraining order against him against another girl. And then uh, TikTok's wild. There's been multiple TikToks posted about him and his drinking and his behavior when he's drinking and how he's just dangerous. And I, I, I didn't know at the time, but apparently like he's a known cheater in Nashville, cheats on all of his girlfriends. Um, he dated a girl that actually is a radio TV host. So she's um, told several stories too about him on air that I've heard now. And I didn't find out a lot of that information. I knew some of it, but like some of it, like a girl would message me and be like, Hey, I just want you to know this has happened with my and I would bring it. Oh, me and my ex-boyfriend. Yeah. Um, she was like, Hey, this has happened with me and him, but I want you to be aware of it. And so I would go to him and be like, hi, like, this is what this girl messaged me. And he had like receipts for everything. No, she's lying. She's just jealous. She wanted to be with me. I broke her heart those kind of things, which they were very believable. And he would like show me photos of them and all these things. So like their stories weren't aligning. So I knew like, I didn't know who to believe, honestly. Yeah. So that's, that's just wild that he's been doing this for over 10 years. Yeah. 
and getting away with it. Kind yeah. Of. And I'm assuming there's probably so many more. I've talked to one of his ex-girlfriends that was like, I wish I would have reported like some of the things that had happened to me, but I just broke up with him and moved on. I'm so sorry. I feel like it's my fault because if I would have reported it, maybe you wouldn't be in this situation. So the first time people on TikTok are aware of, of this, like seeing you mm-hmm. is when you show yourself with a black eye saying how you're going to share your story. You had gotten that in Nashville when you testified. Yes. What happened? So after I testified, again, he convinces me, like, can we just talk? Um, I'm so sorry, all these things. He was with his friends at the time, so I'm like, okay, he's around other people. Like, I'll go talk to him. Um, I went over to talk to him. We decided to all go watch football at a bar. Again, he starts drinking, gets very very drunk um and then honestly this day I I can't really talk a lot about this situation yet but this is the video that I just posted yesterday the situation that happened that's from that all those bruises yes that one is from that and that one was probably one of the worst times that it had happened like I honestly did not think I was gonna make it like I that one was really hard. So you come home and he had posted a TikTok, which then he deleted. Yeah. Saying, oh, heard about, everyone knows about what happened. And you then rebuttaled and was like, do they know what happened? Yeah. You then deleted that as well. Why did you delete that? Um. So that's when he, th- I mean, at this point we're like not together and he started making a lot of threats at this point. Like, I'm going to post this about you. I'm going to do this. I'm going to, like, I'm going to reverse all the charges that I've ever paid for for you. I'm going to, like, just all these, just anything he could to control the situation. And I was like, no, like, I'm, I'm going to post it. I'm going to, like, tell people what happened. And I posted it, and he got on the next flight to come out to Utah. And so he came out uber to my house he gets to my house again i'm just like i gotta make him happy for right now so i'm like okay he's like i'm i'm sorry about everything can i help you like and i just moved into my house he's like i'll build all the furniture this week da 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 so he came went to go get a to-go order which is when he was spotted yes and um the police got called that night to my sisters that called correct yes my sister called the cops she saw us come home um and at this point the laws in the system, I've gone through it enough now to like know if I were to have gone outside right then, they would have just escorted him off my property. Nothing had happened at that point in time. Also, when I had flown back from Nashville, when it happened after I testified, I I just got on the next flight. Like I didn't want to stay there anymore. I was so bruised up. I was like, just get me home. I'll go to the police when I get and home. And did your family know about that incident? They did not know about that one. No one knew about it. So I was, his family did. I told his family about it. Sent him, his family, the pictures. So I flew back. Once I got back to Utah, I messaged the advocate here in Utah. And I was like, I need a protection order. This just happened. I sent them the photos. I called the police here in Utah. And they're like, sorry, it happened in Tennessee. You have to call Tennessee. So I was like, okay. So I called Tennessee and... I was like, hey, this just happened. I just flew home because I wasn't safe. And they're like, sorry, you have to come back out and report it in person. And yeah, so 
that's why I can't really talk about that situation that happened yet because I still need to fly back to Tennessee to report those ones. So, and like the detective was super nice. We talked on the phone for like an hour. I was bawling with the Tennessee detective. He was like trying to help me, but he's like, it's just like my hands are tied. You have to be here to report it. So he knew, my ex knew that I was going to fly back to report it. He just saw me post videos. So that's why he flew out because he was just nervous that like, I'm actually going to do all these things. And so trying to make it right, doing all that. So he's like, oh, I'll go get you dinner. Um, went and picked up the to-go order. My sister called the police. And at that point in time, I'm like, okay, I know if I go out right now, yes, they'll escort him off my property. Like I'll feel safe for like two seconds. And even so many people too were like, why didn't you get a protection order up until that point? It was like, when it comes down to it, as sad as it is, a protection order is just like a piece of paper. Like he can do yeah, whatever. Yes. If he finally like does something, but with my ex-husband, my first one, I have a protection order against him. He violated it so many times. I called the police on him so many times and I think he got charged with it maybe once out of like the 10 times that I called. So it's like, I knowing that like, yes, it does give you like a little leg up in the court system. And yes, if he does show up at your house, he has to be escorted out. But I was like, he states away, like he's not just going to fly here, which is what he did. So then I was like, okay, like, and, but I, at this point I already requested the protection order. The courts told me that it had to be signed by a judge and they couldn't do it until his next hearing. And I asked Tennessee about it too. And they're like, well, that case has already been filed. So you'd have to do it on your next one. So there was like, it was kind of just like in a standstill unless I went and find like a filed, like a civil restraining order right then, which restraining orders are same thing, just a piece of paper. So I knew that if I told the police what is happening, like to make him leave, he'd just come back. Like I'm like, it's, yeah. It's and are your kids with you at this point? No. So at that, like after that, he was never like around my kids. I, my ex knew about it. So he wouldn't allow him around the kids. I wouldn't allow him around the kids. He would only come when I didn't have them. So when he came to visit you and he brought the dinner and your mm-hmm. sister sees him. Yeah. Was his intent to try to get back together with you or just to make peace? Like when he was here, was, were you guys affectionate with each other? No, I think it was a little bit of both. I, he definitely wanted to get back together and definitely wanted, because the hearing cases are still open. He wants me on his side. He was just being overly nice. And I, like, when the police got called at my house, he he was freaking out. Again, going from window to window, looking at everything. And I was just, like, sitting on the bed. And he was, like, so weird that you're just, like, being so chill right now. And I'm, like, because if the police come in, like, you're going to get, like, I'm, I like don't even know how to process anything at this point. I'm not, I'm not hurt right now. I'm okay. But I was just like sitting there cause I didn't know what to do. I didn't know if I should go out and tell the police right then. I knew I couldn't file anything because he hadn't hurt me since he had been there. And so I was just kind of just like, just sitting there cause I had no idea like what to do. Yeah. So he flew back the next day because I had to, I had my kids coming. So I'm like, you can't be around them. He flew back. And then once he flew back, I was like, we, we have to end this. Like, I'm not doing this. I don't want you like, it's never going to work out. Like it it will never work out. I don't want to be with you. I already filed the protection order. Like it's not happening. And so he was like, okay, that's fine. Which was like super weird. He's never like that. Went and got like completely wasted over the next three days would call me and like say like the most horrific things to me on the phone leave me the worst messages, threatening messages, all these things. And 
like I kind of just ignored most of it. And then one night he called me at like, he called me already so drunk. He'd been drinking the night before too. I don't even know if he'd slept at this point. And he was like, I'm coming to Utah. And I was like, no, like, no, you're not. You're not welcome here. If you come, I'm actually going to call the police this time. Like I, I already filed the protection order. They can see that I have filed it. Like you can't, well, they can see that it's like pending to get filed and signed by the judge. Like you are not allowed at my house. And he, he was so drunk that I didn't know if I like totally believed that he was going to fly out or not. And he ended up getting a flight, flew out. Um, and then all of a sudden I like hear this banging at my door downstairs. And I was like, that obviously that's and this calling was me. like, oh, that's my ex. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Block that out again. Yeah. This was like two weeks ago. Yeah. So this was la yeah, like two weeks ago. Right. Yeah. Like a week and a half ago. Yeah. So, um, he's banging on the door, banging on the door. Is um, your son home? No, I was home alone and heard the banging. So I walked and when I walked to like my upstairs, you can see down into my living room, I could see him walking around the back door and I was like, okay, I know all my doors are locked, but I don't know about the basement windows. And so once he'd walked past the window, I ran down the stairs so I could go check them and as I'm walking down the stairs, I see him like jump in the window well to like open it. And I was like, I have to hide. So I ran and hid in my basement and he gets in through the window. I hear him go upstairs and you can just hear him like stomping from like room to room, just like aggressively going back and forth, back and forth, like upstairs, downstairs, everywhere. He came in the basement probably three different times. And I don't know how, like I wasn't hiding that well. I don't know how he didn't see me. Walked past me like three different times. Would go upstairs. Um, my dog was home and he accidentally like left the dog in the basement. So I'm like, my dog's like going to give away my hiding spot because he's going to come over and like yeah. want to be by me. My phone dies while I'm in the basement. So I'm like, okay, what do I do? Like I like, and I was too scared to call 911 at that point in time because I didn't want him to hear me talking. So luckily I had a computer downstairs. So I went over, charged my phone, still hiding. Um, once it got like enough battery, I was like, I am still too scared to like talk on the phone. Cause I could hear him like just the level above me in my house walking around. And so I was like, I'm just going to go out the window. So I ran out the window, made it like three houses, called 911, told them what was happening. Um, and we live very far up on the mountain. So it probably took them 20 minutes to get up to the house. So I sat on the phone with 911 for probably 15 of the minutes, just like crying, bawling. Um, and then all of a sudden I see him like leaving with his suitcase, like, cause he had just flown out there leaving with a suitcase down the street. And I'm like, okay, like he left my house now he's walking away, but like, you guys have to hurry. He's going to get away. And they're like, we're trying to get up there as fast as we can. She's like, Hey, I'm going to let you go, but they'll be there soon. So she hangs up. And so I'm like, okay, I walk back to my house. Cause I just saw him walk the opposite way. And I'm just like sitting on my porch. I see the cops like zoom by like three different times. So I'm like, great. They're looking for him. He probably left in an Uber already. Finally, one of the cops stops. We talk about everything. And then I tell him everything that happened. We like go around to the house. He show, I show him everything. And he was like, just so you know, like we did find him. And I was like, oh, okay. Like I had no idea that he had already been arrested. And then they like came over on the walkie talkie and they were like, he had a knife on him and like where I when they said that like my heart just like dropped because honestly like automatically I thought like of those Idaho 
murders that just happened. And I'm like, like that could have been me. And I like that, it like freaked me out so much that I'm like, like I couldn't, my friends like drove up there cause I was just bawling. And I don't know, that one was just like, you want to believe that like they're, the, you want to see the good in somebody. Right. And like especially like someone, someone you love yeah. and care about, like, but even like hitting me the way he did, I'm like, I can't comprehend like doing that to another human. Like I can't even imagine to, what would ever like make me mad enough to even carry a knife. Like why, why did he have it on? And like, what would be the reasoning other than to hurt me? And it just completely freaked me out. The report said that the, the knife was from your house. Yeah. So he broke in, went upstairs and grabbed the knife. And I had told you this before. I actually drove past him because yeah. we're neighbors. Mm-hmm. I was driving to my, I was driving home from a friend's and I see this man hiding in yeah. someone's front yard. Yeah. And I immediately was like, oh my gosh, that's him. Yeah. And within seconds of me driving past him, the cops came and swarmed him. Yeah. And it was it was the craziest thing because now looking back, knowing that he was just in your home yeah. with a knife. Yeah. Because an outsider, I'm like, oh, maybe him and McKinley got back together and they just broke up. And so he's packing his stuff and leaving. But yeah. no, he was there with the intent of possibly killing you. Yeah. Like, how do you process that? That that one was like really hard. And I feel like I'm still processing it, honestly. I'm still processing, honestly, all of them and just how someone is capable of doing that. And it's hard, too, because there's so many people that are like, well, you should have filed the protection order. Well, you should have pressed. Like, I feel like I've done everything that I can, and it's hard in the system, even after he had broken into my house that night. He got arrested, and he was out within a few hours. Yeah, because now he's he's behind bars right now, currently. He's currently in custody, and that is only because – so he got arrested after he broke into the house. He was charged with just burglary at that point. So he got charged with burglary. They arrested him, took him away. Um, they told me he would probably be there for a few days, but he was released within a couple hours on, like, a $2,500 bond. And so then I'm, like, freaking out, like – what just happened the next day a detective calls me and he was like I I think there's a little more to what just happened than what he got arrested for and I told him everything that had happened and he was like I the fact that he had a knife on him I think he came there to hurt you and he's like and I think he needs to be held accountable for it and he's like I'm going to do everything I can to make sure additional charges go through um so he got out of jail, flew back home to Tennessee. So I assumed like not much was going to happen with it. Um, the detective kept working and he was like, okay, we're going to file burglary. We're going to file um, possession of a deadly weapon since he's on probation. He's not allowed to. Um, they did theft. And then what's the other one, some type of, I don't, I can't think of what it is right but now. But it was bad enough to where a SWAT team yes had to get him yes so he was like I I can see the detective too was like I don't think you know like I'm a detective I've been doing this I can see his patterns like it started at this it's been escalating since then he's going to kill you if 
we don't get him behind bars. And he's like, I'm worried for your safety. He's the one that helped me finally get the protection order filed. Um, and then he was like, we're going to send in someone to arrest him in Nashville. And at first I didn't know for sure, like where he was. And they started, he was like, no, we found him. He's in Nashville. And I was like, how do you know? And they're like, we're pinging his phone. And I'm like, wow, that's like a lot to like ping someone's phone. Yeah. Like, and he's like, no, he's going to get out on no bail. Um, but yeah, they, and I didn't know it was SWAT that arrested him until I saw it on the internet that like people were walking by at the time that it happened. Apparently they like broke windows, sent in drones, SWAT team went in cause he didn't come out on he his own at first. Yeah. So he got arrested. They put up a hundred thousand dollar bond on it, but it got switched today to no bond. So he can't bail out right now. Good. Yeah. So that's really good. And he's in Utah. He's currently in Tennessee, but the U.S. Marshals are going to end up bringing him back here since the cases are in Utah. So he'll be in custody in Utah. They're like still going through the process of getting him back here. And what does, what is like his sentence? What do you think will happen? What do you want to happen? I want to see him go to jail for a long time. What I think will happen is he'll get a few months. If I'm being like truthfully honest, I've had enough cases to know that like they, they, they try. I don't think people are held accountable how they should be in these situations, especially when you can see the repeated patterns. I'm not the first one that it's happened to. It's happened to so many times, but he didn't, he's, and his family has money. They're going to hire the best attorneys to fight it. And it's I'm like worried about moving honestly my house like I don't want him to know where I live but I'm like I still have 10 months on my lease I'm like I don't even know if he'll be in jail for 10 months honestly like I feel like I have a little more faith in the system right now because this detective is finally someone who's listened to me knows the story knows all of it but I feel like there's a good chance he'll only get a couple months what can we do to help is there anything we can do? I don't know. I wish I wish that I I knew more I could do too to like help because it's just the system and it's like it's depends on the judge and if if he like knows someone that works there or who his attorney is, like there's so many different factors in it. And I mean, like my attorney's like, I hope like he gets a couple months, but like I don't know. That's terrifying. Yeah. And there's hundreds of men out there that are walking around us. Oh, that yeah. Have very similar situations. Yeah. What advice would you give people like me who haven't been in a domestic violence relationship, but maybe know people who are? How should I help them? How should I approach them? Because obviously people told you to break up with him, mm-hmm. told you not to go see him, told mm-hmm. you not to go back to Tennessee and go to the bars with him or have him come over and get you food. Yeah. People told you that. Oh, yeah. But you don't listen to that because you're so in it. Yes. That's like one of the hardest positions to be in, I feel like. And I remember even before this happened with my ex, with my first husband, one of my employees came to me one time and was like, I know you were in a, an abusive relationship before. My sister's in one right now. Like, what What do I say to her to get her yeah. to leave? And my response back to her is I'm like, the hardest part is there's nothing you can say to like 
convince her to leave. Like she has to make that decision on her own. And my advice is just supporting them in any way that you can. Yes, you can give your advice and tell them that they should leave, but you can't get like frustrated because you don't understand what's happening behind closed doors. If there's manipulation, if there's financial reasons, what is happening to cause them to stay. And even if you did know the reason that is they are staying, it doesn't make sense because they're in an abuse. They're being manipulated. Yeah. It, it doesn't make sense why they're staying. I even look back and I'm like, I don't understand like why I kept going back to them. I don't understand why I stayed. Yes. I've justified things in my head, but like it, it doesn't make sense. It's not enough to stay or to put up with those behaviors. And I think it takes the person just finally saying that enough is enough and that's why hopefully by telling my story people can recognize signs before the abuse starts or if they're in it that like you can get out of it because I feel like when you're in it seeing someone else go through it kind of gives you the hope that you need to get out of it to report it to say something absolutely and so hopefully that's that's one of the main reasons that I'm doing it my attorney kind of advised me not to do this right now and after I posted the video yesterday, like it was when I came here, it was over like 2 million views. And I'm just flooded right now with like DMs and messages and comments of so many women that are in similar situations that are just so grateful that I'm bringing more awareness to it, more awareness to like the flaws in the system of feeling protected after you've been in a situation like that. And just like bringing awareness to speak up. And I'm also... I think I waited for so long to, I would post like little videos here and yeah. there, but I never fully came out with like what had happened, even though it was all over news articles. But I think I did that because I'm like, if I say something like I'm scared, it's going to aggravate him to do something else. Right. Yeah, You didn't want to come here until you knew he was. Yes. Once I found out that the SWAT arrested him, he was in custody and that they were about to put up no bail on him. I was like, I think I can finally like start talking about it, which I want to create more awareness around it too. Hopefully his family can see and listen to this too and realize that he's, he's not okay. He needs help. He needs to be locked up for a little while. He needs to take accountability for what he did because it wasn't okay. Do you think he could change though? I don't know. It's, he went through a lot of traumatic things in his life. And I think I gave him way more credit than he ever deserved. And always like he would blame it on those situations that had happened to him for why he was aggressive towards me. I think he can make changes in his life. Would any of those changes ever be enough for me to be in his life? No. Right. Hopefully he can make changes so that if he ever isn't in another relationship, this doesn't happen to her. I think it would require a lot of work. I think anyone can change, but it's not someone I would ever date again. Or even if a new person came in and they had that past, it's not something I would ever risk putting myself in. Well, and I don't know personally anybody who has been in a relationship with someone who abused them and then the abuser fixes themselves. And now all of a sudden they're not abusive anymore. Yeah. It's not common or no. ever heard of, honestly. Yeah. That's what I think. It, a lot of abusive people are also narcissists. Oh and yeah, yeah. Yeah. For a narcissist to acknowledge that they need change is extremely unlike, like that's not going to happen. It's unheard of. Yeah. So I, I don't, I don't even know him and I yeah. listening to this. I'm like, there's no way. There's yeah. no way that he will I, take accountability. Yeah. I don't think he'll be able to, I don't think he's mentally capable of 
making the changes. I think it's possible. I don't, right. I don't think he's going to do it. I hope that for him, but I don't, I don't know if it ever will. What advice would you give yourself if you could go back to before you met him? I wish I would have listened to my gut and because I think especially going through everything, I wish I would have listened to my gut the first time and left after the very first he was controlling for me to go to stagecoach because I wouldn't have gotten so attached to him. And I think my attachment to him is why I like held on for so long. And you just keep getting, you dig deeper and deeper and deeper. And like, I think a lot of victims too, they think in their head, okay, well, if it ever happens again, or if this happens or it starts with like a push, like, okay, well, he pushed me, but he didn't hit me. But if it ever takes it to this level and then it gets to that level, but now you're deeper in the relationship, you're deeper with finances, you're deeper emotionally connected to him. But if you just leave after those first signs, you wouldn't ever put yourself in that position, which is hard. And I feel like everything happens for a reason and there's some purpose and reason for me going through what I went through. But if it could have been avoided, that would have been ideal. What things do you have set in place to help you navigate through this trauma? Because this is a lot to process. Yeah. And I like it's it. I honestly don't feel like it's fully even hit me some of the stuff. I don't think that, it has. Yeah. That I've gone through. And so obviously I'm doing therapy and counseling. I have a psychologist and then I'm actually getting going to start the ketamine treatments to try and do that. Um, we had actually all lined up right after it happened in July I was a little nervous to do it at first just because um, they told me that it's going to like bring me probably like back to those moments. A lot of dark moments. Yeah. So I didn't know if I was like fully in a good headspace. I knew he wasn't behind bars yet. So now that he is, I think I can start that process and hopefully just heal through all that trauma that just happened. Do you ever think you fully recovered even from your first abusive relationship? Do you still have that trauma there that you feel like you need to process? I felt like I, I went through counseling for that. Um, I felt like I had processed most of it, but I feel like it's probably doing this process of healing through this is probably going to bring up a lot of that as well. I've noticed that you're very confident. Like, you know, you're beautiful. You know that you're smart. You know that you're driven. You know you didn't deserve those things. Every time he hit you, you were very aware, like, this is not okay. Yeah. This is not okay. Any does is there any part of you that feels like you're you've lost a little bit of that confidence since since this has happened, or has it just made you even stronger? Um, I think initially I lost a lot of confidence being in the relationship with him from being like constantly torn down. Um Again, like I feel like he would do it in a way in the beginning towards the end. He was just straight up not OK. The things that he would say to me. But in the beginning, it was just like slight tear down. So I think I lost a, com a lot of confidence that way. Um, and it's it's been hard ever since, too. Like I, there was so many days where I just I couldn't even like get out of bed. And. It's hard to because they isolate you from everyone, yeah. your friends and your family. So like. When it, when I knew that he was flying out to Utah, it was like just this last time. And I was like, I, I don't know who to call right now. Yes, I do have friends that I could call them and they'll be here in a second. And they're probably going to like be so sad and upset when they hear this. But it's like, I don't want to like burden somebody. They know that like 
they're just going to, I don't want them to just keep being like, I told you so, I told you so, I told you so. And so you try to handle like a lot of it on your own too. So it's like, you're very isolated. You're very alone. And so it's just like, it's hard to process all of it. I think you've done an incredible job. And I think you are, you, as horrible as this is, I think your strength, like you are someone who can get through this and you are going to get through this. And I think you're going to help a lot of people. Yeah. That's like, that's my, honestly, at this point, what happens with my ex happens with the system. I have done everything I can legally. I want to just move forward and focus on me. And after like sharing just the small parts I have about my story, I can see that there is good in telling it and hopefully that can help somebody. I feel like I am very independent and I know I can get through things. Right now it's very hard and I don't think I've ever had to go through something like this before. I know I can and I will. And I have four babies that like motivate me every single day to get better even on days where I'm like I I don't feel like eating because it's like there's just so much going on but it's like they have to eat dinner so it's like I have to they have to go to school I have to wake up and get out of bed like I don't I don't have a choice really but it's such a good drive driving factor to like get through the day and make it on to the next day and be become better from what has happened well McKinley I think you are very strong and I want to commend you for coming on because this is very hard to talk about. I want to end on a happier note. Okay. What is something you're looking forward to now that you feel like you can, I mean, obviously there's the the fear of him not being put behind bars for a long time, but mm-hmm. let's say the justice system does what we want it to do and he's gone for a long time. What are you looking forward to now that he's not in your life? The craziest thing is I feel like, um, so spontaneous. I'm always traveling, always doing all these things. I'm just so excited to get back to just my normal, like a good routine, like going to the gym every day, making dinner, posting on social media, like my fun outfit videos, because I enjoy doing that, being creative, finish unpacking my house, like just like the little things as I'm just like, because my life has just been so chaotic the last few months that I'm just so excited to just get back into just like the regular everyday life. Well, if you need somebody to help you unpack, I'm your girl. I'm down the street. I would be Perfect. happy to help. And everyone listening is on your side. We all are here to support you in any way. And if you can think of anything that we can do to make sure that he gets what he deserves, mm-hmm. please share it with us. Okay, I will. Everyone wants to help. Thank you. Thanks for coming. Of Thanks course. for coming Thanks on for Weekly Trash. Me. This was very different than any other episode. We'll have to have you back on again and we can do a typical episode that's more fun and upbeat and happy. But I wanted this episode to be what it is. And that is discussing a very heavy topic that a lot of women struggle with. So thank you for for being brave enough to do that with me. Of course. Thanks for having me. Um, I hope you guys enjoyed the episode. Make sure to follow on Instagram. We love you. And don't forget to take out your trash. Thank you.